Hey, it's your boy Laura with your trigger warnings for this episode. We actually just have a singular one, and it's discussion of war trauma. So please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. Phil Latham, you are a boob. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Reading Rainbow, the podcast where we read books and then we discuss kind of why we had to read them. And It's like a book club, where except for high school books specifically, and that's a pretty strange book club. But anyway, this time we have a special guest. Say hello! Hello! Yay! What's your name? Uh, my name is Kate Aspengren. We're so happy to have Kate here on the podcast. Uh, well, just a little background... Uh, I know Kate because the very f- uh, first class I took with her was uh, creative writing topics in humor. Your favorite class, Kate. Ooh. Yes. The class you wish you could teach every semester. Or not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I met Kate when I went to her, went to Cornwall with her. So we really, uh, yeah, busted out the friendship badges <laughs> by uh, drinking cider and cornwall exactly. together. <laughs> Yeah, so before we dive in, how is everyone? Kate, how are you? I just put a hummingbird feeder outside my office window, and it was a big mistake because I get very distracted by the hummingbirds. So we'll know if you trail off. It, it, we're like, oh, it, <laughs> mm. what happened? Well, oh, it must be a hummingbird. Must be, yeah. Those are really loud suckers. Like They, they kind of terrify me when they come by. <laughs> have you ever seen the Great people sucks. who have the, have the rings that they wear that have the, the hummingbird feeders on them, and then the hummingbirds will come up and eat off of their hand i really inv- i thought it was like a halo <laughs> like you put it they do head. have things you can wear on your head too oh, oh yeah, no. i mean if they have one for your finger you know they have one for your head yeah that's where i want birds butts to be right above yeah, exactly me. <laughs> yeah with their little oh, wings beating a thousand miles an hour yes yeah their poop just falling straight down <laughs> hundred miles per second right. on my face <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh that's the part of the hummingbirds they don't want you to know about you know who's they the, you know the government <laughs> the people who invented yeah. hummingbirds and all of their birds so just understood. stay vigilant understood yeah constant vigilance <laughs> exactly uh yeah so let's just get right into the book so kate what did you have us read for the month tell us a little about it tell us your history with it a separate piece by john knowles which was published in 59 i think yeah 59 originally and uh, I read it in high school. It's one of the few things I remember reading in high school. And at the time, I remember I was quite taken with it. And then I went back to it later on and I thought, ooh, no, I'm not. Uh, I had a much different response to it than I did the Ewey. first time. So, Yeah, well, I can say I've never heard of this book for a long time. I kept like before I got the book, I was like, oh, yeah, we're reading a separate place. And I was like, I'm sure that's <laughs> the name. And I just kind of moved on in ignorant bliss. Um, never read it in high school or like any schooling and never heard of it yeah i would say the same i've never heard of it until kate brought it up and i have to say though that separate is a word that i spell wrong every single time i could never remember like when it's it's an s-e-p-e-r or a-r and i just get it i get it wrong it feels like it should be e it's only... even though it's a it feels yeah. Like it should be... yeah separate but yeah it's just something i've never been able to quite overcome <laughs> 
Wait, so the title is a separate piece, right? I yes. read it wrong again on my notes. And it's, it's P-E-A-C-E, too, not P-I-E-C-E. Yeah. What do you think the title means? We're jumping ahead a little, but I no. don't really get it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite clear on that either, to be honest. Um. <laughs> oh, good. I guess maybe it's because... And we'll, get, we'll elaborate more on this when we get to the summary, but like... It's oh crap! What's the main character's name? Jean. 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 Dean. Jean. It's Jean. Jean. <laughs> Just like it's hey. not Jean. <laughs> it's uh, Jean. Jean. You please. Like, he's uh, it's he's got he's got some psychological turmoil he's working through. So maybe it's just him compartmentalizing to find peace within himself. Maybe. And maybe he's found a uh, like a uh, that he has felt really guilty about something that happened, and now he's found a place where he's at peace with it, um, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So I I could see it as maybe Finny dying. Maybe that's one piece, because, you know, rest in peace. And then... True. Gene's life or whatever after his death is a separate piece. Well, and also his life has been so uh, entwined with Finny's that this is Mm -hmm. a... He's actually now a separate... other... He's found peace. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. a different. I, I don't know. Mm, double meaning. <laughs> I think title, wow. titles are so hard because if you put it in the book and make it clear, that readers think, oh, now they've now they're mentioning the title and that's. But if you don't, then people are struggling on a podcast to try and figure out what. I don't think he says any yeah. of this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I he think does. So. I think I remember oh. him. Oh dear. I think he does. I, and but it was like so unmemorable. I was like. Because oh, I feel like I remember when I was listening to it, registering it, and I was like, oh, he said it. Check that off the list. Like, honestly, there should be a book checklist where it's like, does does the... Oh, like a bingo card? Yeah. He does say like, it. You're oh, right. is the title mentioned in the... Yeah. Ha! Y'all looked at me crazy, and you were like, really? The person who doesn't remember anything <laughs> no. thinks this? And I was freaking right, y'all, because I have listening memory sometimes. The person who thought his name was wow. Dean is the one who remembers what... Uh... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good going. I yeah, you, you are, really got me, you guys. You are way correct. to go. You are correct that he does say somewhere. Yeah. Why don't we just so we've we've been dancing around it, but let's just get right into it. Let's talk about yeah. a separate piece, starting with a book fact from me, the bookkeeper. Oh, okay. And here's what I have to say about it. So it's written by John Knowles, and John Knowles went to Phillips Exeter Academy, and oh. it's uh, like. It, it seems like the plot is very much intertwined with his own personal experience at the Academy, but in his essay, quote, A Special Time, A Special Place, Knowles wrote, quote, The only elements in a separate piece which were not in that summer were anger, violence, and hatred. There was only friendship, athleticism, and loyalty. Which, no offense, I think that's kind of not true, but sure. <laughs> Sounds Listen, fake. Yeah, it sounds a little fake. I'm like, guys are sensitive. They're probably, really, there was no, I don't know. It seems like you're looking at it through rose, rose-tinted rose glasses, yeah. Knowles, but. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Now, when did, have you ever seen a group of adolescents get together when there's absolutely no anger? Or I mean, it just, yeah, that's just, that's. <laughs> like, even oh in the. Oh, my God. Well, like, sure, you have to, for the book, he's like, maybe you have to over-exaggerate in anger or, like extrapolate on you know a small tough uh like tough tough it what's the word like 
ca- hmm? tough it like Miss Muffin. When two, f- yeah, well, like thing when fine two tooth people comb. fight. No, <laughs> thing when a two tussle? people fight. A tussle, sure, a tussle. <laughs> Maybe he there was a tussle that occurred, and he just like blew it out of proportion for the book. But I, but I'm just like, I don't believe that your entire time at Philip Exeter Academy was yahoos and we was you know well and who is ever a teenager and doesn't get angry about something i mean oh my god yeah teenagers are known that's just angry yeah and that's just how memory works like you just like in as time goes on you glide over the stuff that you don't want to remember and you remember the stuff you do that's just how it goes um my turn i'm gonna give my book fact this book has never been banned but has been challenged like several times and the reasons that are cited on the wikipedia page is vulgar language negative attitudes expressed by teenagers and homosexual overtones and i want to go over that piece by piece so vulgar language i don't know what they're talking about they did not say like what part was vulgar about this book i'm confused um yeah negative attitudes expressed by teenagers what does that mean because like I don't know if you know, I've met a teenager, but they have a lot of <laughs> negative attitudes about, like, everything. That's their whole know. personality. I just, I was, I had a lot of negative attitudes as a teenager. I was constantly negative. And the final, homosexual overtones. That's a big one that, like, uh, people are like, wow, they're gay for each other. But they're kind of not. And the author has actually been quoted saying, if there had been a ro- homoeroticism between Phineas and Jean, I would have put it in the book. I assure you, it simply wasn't there. Although I would like to address that, though, as a as a, a young person who was gay but not really quite figuring that out yet when I read it, um, mm-hmm. I I it did feel sort of romantic. I mean, there was a uh, um, yeah, and and I mm-hmm. and I think you know you can't as a writer you can't dictate how your audience is what they're going to see or your reader is going to. I mean, you just can't people. People see all kinds of things yeah. in my plays, and it's like I had no idea um, that I don't know where you're getting that, but that was never my intention. So I think if you're if you're looking for it, or even if you're not looking for it, um, but you're kind of leading that way anyway. You, I mean, I'm not, and I'm mm-hmm. certainly not the first person to to think that. Um, yeah, I thought uh, it was gay. No especially the, me too. Especially the way Jean felt about Finney. I thought seemed I don't I don't know. Well, yeah, because it's like a coming-of-age story, and mm-hmm. it's about some boys at some boarding school, and I was just like, I wasn't like, where's the scene where they're all, like, naked jumping into right. a lake together, but yeah. I was like, you're going to develop these very strong and probably deep relationships with these other male figures around you, and, mm-hmm. like, probably going to explore something inside of yourself. I was I was fully expecting it to be gay. And reading it until the end, I was, like, fully expected it to be gay until the last <laughs> word came out. And I was like, oh, it's not. Because they, like, talk so much about how much they mean to each other and how they really admire each other. Um, and I don't know. It doesn't have to, like, veer into romanticism. But, like, I don't know. They just have strong feelings for each other. And it's okay for people to interpret that the way they want, you know? And they're teenage yeah, boys who never. It should be banned for that. They're teenage boys who never really talk about girls. I mean, no, which is unusual too. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was never a teenage boy, but it's... sure. But anyway, back to the list again. Not. A... I don't think it's a valid reason to ban it because like, I don't no. either. Because <laughs> I don't know. Because so, he says the whole not... list is bullshit. Yeah. Also, by the way, uh, happy mm-hmm. Pride Month, y'all. Ah! Wow. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Listen, May was the Asian. 
It was Asian you American. Pa- I was like, what does it stand for? <laughs> Asian American Pacific Islander Month. This is Pride Month. It's just our month. <laughs> and next month is July. It's America's month, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Finally, I mean, America has a month. <laughs> yeah. Good God. Sweet. Well, let's go into the uh, good the summaries. So I'll start off by just yeah. reading the Goodreads blurb. Here we go. So a separate piece by John Knowles. An American classic and great bestseller for over 30 years, A Separate Piece is timeless in its description of adolescence during a period when the entire country was losing its innocence to the Second World War. Set at a boys' boarding school in New England during the early years of World War II, A Separate Piece is a harrowing and luminous parable of the dark side of adolescence. Jean is a lonely, introverted intellectual. Phineas is a handsome, taunting daredevil athlete. What happens between the two friends one summer, like war itself, banishes the innocence of these boys and their world. A bestseller for more than 30 years, a separate piece is John Knowles' crowning achievement and an undisputed American classic. The end. See, that's gay, right? Like, Oh, yeah, true. Because I was going to say, if I heard that description, they said, but what happens to them one summer? Right away, I think they're gay right away. Yeah. The way I would describe it as a whole is two dudes sitting in a hot tub five feet apart because they're not gay. Um, I really think that emulates this entire book. But um, if I were to go into more detail, uh, so Jean and Phineas are the main characters. They're BFFs going to a boarding school together. They're 16. Uh, it's the middle of World War II and it's summertime. So they're a year and a half away from the draft. So it's all anybody can talk about. Finney is very charismatic, easygoing, athletic, and sociable. And Jean is the narrator, who is more intellectual. He's reserved. He's very insecure. He kind of gets a little jealous and competitive with Finney. Um, and in a burst of, like, I don't know, ill will, he causes Finney to fall out of a tree and shatter his leg. So that's a big uh-oh moment. Um, so then the year goes on, and they go through the rest of the seasons. Um, Jean just festers in his guilt. Finney faces his long path to recovery and the huge change in the course of his life since he can't enlist anymore. And they try to continue as friends, as best friends like before, but it's never really the same because Jean tries to confess his guilt to Finney, but Finney does not handle it well. And their peers, I don't know, they circle around them. They talk about enlisting a lot, but eventually they create this really dramatic trial in the middle of the night. And they nearly force Jean to admit that he pushed Finney into the water. But Finney just runs away. But then he falls down the stairs and breaks his leg again. And Ah. when he's in surgery, I know, it's so sad. And when he's in surgery to set the broken bone, he dies because his bone marrow gets into his bloodstream. So he dies that night. Jean goes on with his life. He enlists in the Navy. But he always feels like a part of him died with Finney. And that's the the plot. A separate peace if you will except for that would only work if it was spelled p-i-e-c-e or it could work if it was a separate rest in peace i'd forgotten that i looked this up at one point and there's a separate peace means something in terms of war too and if it's a it's a nation it's a nation's agreement to cease military hostilities even though the former country had previously entered into a military alliance with other states, they remain at war with the latter country. I have no idea what that means. So. Oh. oh, so it's like a war. And I would think most people like don't know that. Oh. So they're not going to say, oh, I get it. It's about war. War. Guys, maybe let's slip right into the unanswered questions. Mm. Maybe it's all a metaphor and all the boys represent different countries 
in World War II. Oh like Hatalia? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Maybe it's that. Oh I'm gonna choose Maybe to believe this is that. Just I Hitalia. think Gene is the U.S. Oh Phineas god. is Finland. Uh, yeah, Finland. Poor, poor Finnish people. Oh my god. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, leper whose name I don't really like. Uh, Lapelier. Elwin Leper Lapelier. <laughs> Kenna, so he's French. Uh, yeah, France. Duh. Yeah. Pish the French. <laughs> Who's Brinker? Hadley. No, wait. Hadley Brinker. He sounds British. That sounds British. Who's Cliff Duckman? Yeah. Whatever. Cliff Quackenbush. <laughs> Who's Cliff Quackenbush? Oh my, oh my god. That might. Okay. Be yeah. My first and answer question is: I like these names. Like, what the hell? <laughs> is it a sign of the times? Like. Is it just what how they are? Because there's Cliff Quackenbush, there's Brinker Hadley, Elwin Leper Lapelier, Gene Forrester, and then Phineas. What's his last name? I don't even know. They're just so weird. So, do you guys have a favorite Quackenbush? Quack, Quackenbushes. Sure, Quackenbush. <laughs> okay, I think it's, it's ridiculous. I am much more engaged with this story if it's if, if it's all like one big metaphor for like countries. So I'm gonna just live with that. There's, cool. Uh, That's your separate piece <laughs> from this. Hey, anyways, um, well, I had a question. This is more specific. So, like, Kate, you also teach a coming of age class, like mm-hmm. specifically at our college. So, since this is described as a coming of age, like, what do you, what are elements to look for in coming of age pieces? And then, how do you think? Like, would you ever teach this in that class or? Um, yeah. yeah, if you look up, like, best coming-of-age books, this always shows up on the list. There's this and Catcher in the Rye, and uh, they're, like, the ones that, that show up all the time. That makes sense. <laughs> and there are actually some similarities. Um, so, uh, coming-of-age, generally, there's there's a German term called uh, Bildungsroman, which means uh, it's a mm-hmm. kind of the, the moral growth of an individual or the psychological growth of an individual. So, if you think of it as, like, the changes, the things you learn from the time you're a kid till you're an adult, which is often stuff you didn't want to know. But it's how you change in terms of how you see the world and how you interact with other people. Um, I, I would I would not teach this book. For one thing, it's so outside <laughs> the um, experience of anybody I ever have in class of uh, these rich white boys who are off at, um, yeah. at a prep school. Similar to Catcher in the Rye, which I would also never teach. Because when I first started teaching coming of age, mm-hmm. people said, oh, are you teaching... Catcher in the Rye, and I said, uh, no, I'm not teaching Catcher in the Rye. And there are a lot of things that we, we'd see show up. Uh, uh, getting or figuring out who you are with your, with well, part of it's just like that you versus like society. Like there are a lot of rules that all of a sudden you have to abide by as you get older that you didn't have to when you were younger. Um, you find out a lot of things mm. maybe about your parents that you didn't know when you were younger, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, this now I see what's going on. Um, figuring out your friends, negotiating my friends. Not my friends, all my teenage friends. Um, <laughs> I think uh, all my teens that I'm friends. Anybody with. who's ever been an eighth grade <laughs> girl, in particular, I think understands that difficulty in getting along with your friends because there are all those shifting allegiances all the time yeah. and figuring out who's popular and who's friends with who. And um, oh yeah, teens. And there's stuff. a lot of you know experimentation mm-hmm. with like, sex and drugs and alcohol and those kinds of things. Um, not not everybody, but but you know a lot of a lot of people, especially <laughs> later on, I think, and generally like twelve, thirteen, up through. I mean, when I teach this at, at the college level, they're having a very 
real coming of age experience right then, right? Some of them are having to figure out how to do laundry. Mm -hmm. um, they're having to figure out how, how do I wake up if my mom's not here to wake me up? How do, um, so there's a lot of stuff they have to learn to figure out on their own. And it's a part of being an adult. And mm -hmm. some of it's not stuff you want to learn or ever have to do on your own, but there, but there you are because now you're a grown up. So, um, and there are also a lot of, um, mm. there are a lot of milestones along the way too. I think with it, 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 during that time period, people, um, our 14 year old goddaughter just got her permit to drive, which is horrifying. Um, <laughs> that 14 year olds are out on the road. I mean, there's that, their driving permit, there's 14, graduation, uh. there's, um, there's um, things like quinceanera. There are all kinds of things that happened in the teenage mm -hmm. years um, that uh, mm. I think maybe even more so than they do later on because you, you have birthdays all the time. Um, probably you just have like, you know, a handful of weddings, but um, or just one, maybe it's good. But there's a lot of stuff that happens that are there's sort of milestones. Now you're an adult because you have a driver's license. Now you're an adult because you're going to college and having to take care of yourself. So... Um, so to go back to your question, no, I wouldn't use this uh, because I, um, mm. the only, the only reason, the only reason I think I would ever use it, which I wouldn't. So, but if I did, it's because it's really short and people will probably <laughs> actually read it. I mean, so, um, part of when you choose books to assign, it's ones that you want people to read. I, I have a feeling they might grow bored with this. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, um, it yeah. was boring. <laughs> I would have quit yeah, it. I just not to jump ahead, but a little bit. Yeah, I would never. Yeah. I would never use it. Okay, Ever, so I have another question because, like, I feel like I am pretty liberal about what I label like as like a coming of age story yeah. or something. So, like, does coming of age have to cover adolescence or like can coming of age? Because sometimes I just like to say coming of age is like rather than focusing on the age part, it's like transitioning from like one belief to another in whatever time yeah. like i'm trying to th like in uh wild by cheryl what's her face would that i mean uh, that's a memoir yeah actually i've seen that listed know, as a coming of age too uh yeah i think there's the all that self-discovery which there's kind of an overlap there too i think coming of age you generally think of as being childhood to adulthood but Jeez. then there are also those coming of age experiences you have later on um as as you know like you graduate and all of a sudden mm -hmm. Oh, you're out in the world, and that—I mean—that's a real coming of age kind of moment too. So there's, I think there's the sort of the, yeah. the what we think of as coming of age, which is more like 11, 12, 13, up to into the twenties. But I think those moments happen all the time. Yeah, I as like a baby adult, <laughs> I I think there are different levels of adult <laughs> mm -hmm. that I've not yet reached, and I still have to come of age to those adulthoods. And as an embryotic adult, which is me, because I'm even babier. Uh, yeah, just so much younger. I've actually learned everything, so I'm just living. It's good to be king, you know? Yeah, but look, I mean, look what you have ahead of you is going off to grad school, which is a whole different, I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, yeah. So Woo! that's kind of like negotiating yeah. a new town, new people, new expectations. Yeah. So what's it like to know everything, Kate? I don't um, know. I feel like there's still, you know, we... You, Hopefully, we still keep having those challenges and meeting them and figuring out how to negotiate them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just stay stagnant and you never change. And, and part, a lot of yeah. it has to do with just, I think, for me, it's not really coming of age, but those transitional times, a lot of it's 
learning new things, like uh, learning the skills. Like sometimes there are skills you have to learn mm -hmm. so you can cope. Like I've had friends who have uh, moved here from elsewhere and had to learn how to drive as adults, you know, or people who all of a sudden have lived with somebody and then they have oh. to learn how to cook because they were never the ones who cooked or they've lost a spouse. And all of a sudden that was the person who did all of that. So they had to learn how to do that. So um, they have a, sort of a coming of agey mm -hmm. feeling to them, but not, yeah. but a lot of it's just yeah. adaptation too. So. Mm -hmm. Or yesterday, my sister and I, we went bouldering and she had like, blisters on our hands and I realized when I even when I started rock climbing I didn't get the same blisters because I had done like piano oh, and viola sure. and I lived lifts of weights and I did like marching band so like I didn't have weak ass hands like my sister <laughs> exactly she kept calling them her virgin baby <laughs> fingers and I was like don't call them that <laughs> anyways um Kate do you have any unanswered questions no I don't really have questions I I mean I my issue, you know, because I told you originally I read this book and I thought, oh, this is so sweet. This guy and his friend and he loves his friend. And now he, oh, look, he killed his friend. <laughs> um, and at the time, I, I just thought it was really tragic. And then later on, I, when I came back to it again, I actually mentioned it in one of my plays because it, it seemed like he did, in fact. And and there was like, it felt like later on there were questions about did he actually... I think the word they use is jounce all the time. Did he jounce the limb or did he? And and he very clearly says he did. I mean, he definitely <laughs> did. And and because I think just part of that, he feels like Finney is trying to keep him from his studies because Gene's always been the smart one. And Finney keeps thinking of all these adventures for them to go on, which, by the way, Gene doesn't have to go on, but he does. And then he's mad because yeah. he feels like Finney's trying to keep him from his his studies. And so that's why... Yeah, like sabotage. Yeah, so he... So he jounces the limb, and and it's, and I ended up using that in a in a play I wrote. It said so there's a, a high schooler who's gotten into trouble, and she's having to. She has a tutor. She's in jail. She's in a lot of trouble. And uh, and they read the she reads the book, and she's furious because she said he he killed his friend. You know, and then everybody's like, oh poor Jean, oh poor, and Jean's all like, oh poor me. The whole book is like, it's your fault, buddy. You know, so I don't know. I just I and I also found this time around, I found um. Finny annoying because he's mm -hmm. like that that person is really popular who can talk everybody into anything and then yeah I know and sometimes um not it's probably not the best idea for them to be following him and just doing whatever he says because he's the fun guy and yeah no I'm not a fan it was like everything was like for his own amusement right he's just like he's probably a freaking schmoozer and is like come on teach Blah, 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 blah. Oh, you know what? He's that kid from Jimmy Neutron that everyone had a crush on, was kind of bad boy, but also was, like, super what? afraid and wanted his mom all the time. You know that kid? Like, no, I did not. Neutron? Actually, I didn't watch Jimmy Neutron. I was scared of Jimmy Neutron. Oh, that's fair. That's yeah, actually kind of stepped up. But, well, <laughs> listeners, if you know Wait. what I'm talking about, it's the guy who's got, like, uh, like, black hair, jet black hair, and he comes into school late, and he's like... Sucking on a lollipop, he's like, "Hey, teach, sorry, I'm late." <laughs> His name, I don't know. His name's probably like. The, 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 the. Well, we see this. <laughs> we see this character in movies all the time, right? And, and, and yeah, like it's the guy who's schmoozer. like, kind of like back talks the teacher, but he's also real schmoozy and gets by with all. Yeah, kinds of like stuff he always and... comes out a winner, right? And you're like you're jealous of him for being yeah. a winner, but you're also like, it makes you want to jounce. Doing some pretty negative it stuff. Makes you want to jounce his branch. 
is what it makes you want to do. Yeah. A little bit. Is that a euphemism? Yes. It is now. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I have one more unanswered question that I want to ask. Yeah. Um, So Jean and Finny, they're BFFs or so they say. Like, is this really a good example of best friendship? Because like, like, I don't know. Like, why are they friends? I feel like we Makes ask sense. this question like almost every time in every book because like in uh, the absolutely <laughs> true die of a part-time Indian, we're like, why are these two people friends? In uh, a yeah. shaped space, we're like, why is this person and this person friends? Like, I guess it is kind of a futile yeah. question because like you just are friends with people because like you you don't think about it really. You know, unless it's super toxic it's and super problematic, you're just like friends with them until because it's more inconvenient to be like listen, dude, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And then you have all this drama and you're like, all to suffer. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So friendship is suffering. Yeah. It's just how much yeah. are you willing to suffer? You know? Sure. I guess, but like, is it really a good example of like, do they really like love each other as friends or as more than friends? Or is it like codependence? Like, how did you read that? Well, they're such opposites, right? I mean, one is like the charming... Mm-hmm athlete and the other one's the intellectual one i mean i think we see those mm-hmm. friendships all the time where people we can't figure out why i see those marriages all the time too why i have no idea why you're together <laughs> um we see couples like that all the time so and mm-hmm. i don't know i mean that's part of my issue with the book is there's not a lot of development of the characters like how do mm-hmm. they first meet how do they end up being roommates how do they end up being friends well there and again i you know i mentioned this and we talked before but there there's a lot more time given to description of the buildings on the campus than than there than mm-hmm. to the these two people and you're since uh gene is telling it and we are we do have this unreliable narrator because he's got his own opinions and his own like motives and everything mm-hmm. you'll see sometimes gene is feeling really affectionate towards phineas and he's he's the coolest guy he came up with this new sports game with a ball that we all play and then later he's just like he made me not study and he freaking sucks and he calls himself stupid but that's because he doesn't try or something like like so you get these it really depends on mm-hmm. how our narrator is feeling that we get to see what kind what like the different facets of uh any character yeah and then like so much of the book is spent after like the incident um so like then gene is like sticking with him like out of guilt and so it's like that's not a that doesn't give us a really accurate depiction of like why they're friends either. <laughs> I just thought of another reason why I would never teach that, and that's because of the female characters in this book. Ah, like there's that nurse who they call Miss mm. Windbag, and there's the kind of the slutty girl in town who they refer to that they've made a snow figure out of or something. And and I think they're oh, we meet um, Lupper's mom, right? But those are pretty much yep. that's pretty much yeah. it. So there are these very one-dimensional mm-hmm. female characters who appear very briefly. Yeah, not a great no. look. Yeah. No. Um, well, do we want to move on to takeaways and judgments? Because that yeah. sounded like a judgment right there. It was definitely a judgment. Very judgmental. Where are the women? That's pretty much our question in like half the books we read as well, you know? Where are the women? Yeah, because all these books that they had us read in high school and right. high school have like no women or like... Uh, Even when I read... Uh, uh, Shakespeare. I mean, there's hardly any women in Shakespeare when they had us read that in high school. It's like, mm-hmm. and then half the time it's a man playing a woman, and you're like, all right, and that's confusing. Couldn't even, couldn't even give us that one. Yeah. That's fine. I think overall takeaways and judgments. It seemed a lot kind of like Great Gatsby, or like, <laughs> or like uh, what's it called? The one that we were just Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye, because yeah, is, what like it reminds me of Great Gatsby because it's just like. Gene is just like infatuated with Finnish. He's like, I think this 
about Phineas and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, okay. I don't really understand. I don't know what the intended takeaways were for people to read this in school. I'm kind of confused. Mm -hmm. Especially because as we just talked about, like, as a coming-of-age story, it doesn't really reflect Mm -hmm. nowadays, like, people's own personal experiences. So Yeah, I see, like, you could talk a bit about, like, how, you know, Fiddy and Gina are foils for each other and, like, comparing that. I don't know, like, everybody in this dorm is aware of what happened, and they, like, refer to it, and they almost talk about, like, Gene pushing, jouncing him out of the tree, but they just avoid it so many times, and even, like, Gene in his narration will, like, try to avoid it and, like, try to avoid, like, saying the words, but I don't know, it's just (laughs) very exhausting after a while, and it comes out in a very, like, contrived, dramatic fashion at the very end. I think this could be compared to, yeah, Great Gatsby and Catcher in the Rye, because it's about a bunch of, like, rich boys in prep school and being sad. So it just reminded me a lot of that. But I think this could also be encapsulated by several vines, such as the two dudes sitting in the hot tub vine, but also the squash banana branch guy vine where he falls out of a tree. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the roommates vine. And they were roommates. Oh, my God, they were roommates. So I really think that John Knowles was ahead of his time. (laughs) I could tell, I could have just given this summary in all vines, actually. (laughs) That's that's for bonus content. If we ever get a Patreon, yeah. it'll be like, now we'll summarize it and only vine, quoting vines. Vines that's only. So yeah. Oh my gosh, vines only. Wow. Oh my god. Would you Great watch idea. it? Kate? Yes. Hey, Laura, I, in your notes, you had a really good point though. The, the character of Leper, who I think clearly oh. there's some mental illness going on there, right? I mean, clearly, it's the fact that he named him Leper for one thing makes makes it feel like he's. I yeah. don't know. Um, in some ways, he was the character I was the most curious about, and the one you felt you felt like was most destined to not do well. So, but I felt like you know I would have liked to have known more about him. And I think like the whole mm-hmm. thing when they when the limb gets jounced, that's because lepers decided to jump, right? Because they're all going to go watch watch jump watch jumper or leper as we call him. Uh, leper <laughs> jump out of the tree, and then because Jean isn't going to go, and then. Finney says, no, it's okay, I'll do it by myself then. And then Gene says, oh, no, I'll come. And then that's when the jouncing happens. Um, but I just think Leper's kind of a uh, an unfortunate character. They're going to go watch Jumper leap out of a tree. <laughs> Leper leap out. <laughs> um, yeah, because, well, I also thought, I mean, he, I, th- I think he's coded as neurodiverse. Because beforehand, he's like, they show him as like, very different um, than the others and like, communicates very differently and they think he's pretty strange because he likes to go look at snails or whatever a lot but then yeah after he goes and joins the skate patrol or whatever (laughs) in the war he's like very obviously traumatized and like but he didn't even go into combat either like he had kind of a bit of a breakdown like in basic training i'm pretty sure although it's interesting looking at it now because in the time it was written neurodiversity was like nobody talked about that it wasn't even a, it probably was a word that no <laughs> some people knew but most people did not so that was not he was like just the weird kid and a lot of the weird mm-hmm. kids we would now identify as as being neurodiverse um you know so well i guess you know. another question is do you remember in school like what what kind of discussions you had or like what was there a reading guide that you had and they're like what do you think like where there were leading questions about what you think your teacher was trying to uh, I have I have no memory of that whatso- whatsoever. <laughs> oh good. So it was impactful. Awesome. Uh but I think it was 10th grade but I don't remember the discussion at all. I mean I remember that I actually read the whole book which I would have then because I was I was sort of studious. I seem to remember people liking the book a lot. Also cuz I'm old. This, there was it was like 
tail end of the Vietnam War. So the, the guys in my class were very much looking at possibly being drafted. So I think it would have would have had a little oh, more yeah. um, uh, resonance for them than for the rest of us. Those of us who knew we were never going to get drafted because yeah. we were not guys. And we all have glasses. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can't use Good us. Point, yeah. We Dang got it. bad eyes. Oh, man. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Laura. I have really bad eyes. Thanks. Um, you're welcome. You're good. <laughs> um, I think in terms of coming of age, I think the draft was a pretty interesting like right. part of the story because they were at the age where they could choose to enlist at like any time, it sounds like, and they could like choose where to go or they could just wait and be drafted. And I don't know if when they got, I don't know how this works, like if they get drafted, if they're assigned places at random. But Gene was considering enlisting right after Finney broke his leg and like, you know, the jousting happened and was away. But as soon as Finney comes back, Jean's like, nope, never mind. Can't do that. I have to stay with my best friend. Out of guilt and whatever. You know, maybe maybe gay feelings. But Yeah, the advantage to enlisting is you had like a little bit more of a choice about where you might go. Like, I just talked to a friend whose brothers were um, draft age, and that would have been during Vietnam. Their dad had been in the army and was in the Belt of the Bulge, which was a horrible, bloody battle in World War II. So oh. when his sons were old enough to be drafted, he said, you need to enlist. Because if you're drafted, you go into the army and then you're like front lines or whatever. So they were both musicians and they yeah. at different times enlisted in the Air Force so they could be in the... Uh, the band? They played actually in the... Yeah. Mm. One of them played... One of them was an uh, orchestra player and the other one was in the band. Actually, my dad was in the band too. and But he was just like mm -hmm. between World War II and Korea. So he he never had to serve. But, um, but yeah, there was a real advantage to enlisting and not waiting to be drafted. Yeah, there's a lot. So I think there's a lot that could be talked about in terms of coming of age and like the choice of enlisting or waiting for the draft and also just the physicality um, that they all seem to treasure so right. much because they're guys and there's like masculinity and I don't know, toxic masculinity. Rampant. Well, yeah, because there's um, a whole thing about, <laughs> isn't assuming. it, um, Brinker's dad who sees him unloading sewing machines and he's they're like, how that's really not masculine oh, yeah. at all and you shouldn't, you know, it's a, so there's, yeah. Yeah, but again, that's all takeaways. For men and boys and yeah. male-identifying yeah. characters. Well, I want to move on to the recommendations because now I have one and I'm like kind right. of excited to talk about it, but it's also oh. cheating. So let's right. move on to that. Originally, I was going to do Good Me, Bad Me by Ali Land. I would still suggest it, but I liked it because it was another psychological thriller and it's like someone does something bad and you're in their headspace of like... Uh, what has led them to do this or like how uh, they come to certain decisions. So I just thought that was interesting. But instead, and this is cheating because it's not a book, but it's based off of a, it was <laughs> adapted from a 10 piece play by August Wilson. Um, mm. And it's the Netflix movie that just got released, uh, Ma Rainey's yeah. Black Bottom with Chadwick Boseman, okay. which was his last uh, production that mm -hmm. he did before he passed away. Um Ma Rainey is a musician, and she's getting together with a band to record a song in Chicago. It's adapted from a play by August Wilson that I think is like something Pittsburgh something. It's yeah. from the Pittsburgh It's a it, the play is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Is it where like every piece is a different decade? Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, that was his okay. goal was to write a piece uh, reflecting the black experience in every decade of the prior century. Okay, so it was from the. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is in the 30s, I think. Mm. And she was a real person, Ma Rainey was. One reason I'm going to recommend it, um, I think 
it's not really a coming of age in the strict sense because these are all like adults in a band but especially when you think about like a character does this horrible thing and then has to like live with the consequences that shows up i was just much more engaged and like interested in what was going on and this character's turmoil about the decision that he made um so i mean i of course will suggest to read the play but i haven't done that watch the movie and then apparently there was an interview or like a extra excerpt about adapting the play to screen and how like certain decisions were made and it was interesting Mm. so that's my recommendation um kate what would you recommend um, actually, that's the, the Pittsburgh cycle is the plays you're thinking of. So it's like Joe Turner's Come and Gone, and um, now I forget the rest of them, but they're, uh, all of those plays are fantastic. So, um, And mm. sadly, he died before he could have um, written more of them because he was a really gifted writer. So back to what I would recommend. Uh, two different categories. For coming of age, if people are interested in coming of age books, there's some I use in class that I, I think are pretty terrific. One called uh, Secondhand World by Catherine Min, M-I-N. Uh, we Need New Names by uh, No Violet Bulawayo, who's f- uh, from Zimbabwe. Um, Catherine Min was a, a Korean-American writer. Um, Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon, which probably a lot of people are familiar with. That was also adopted, adopted, adapted into a play. Um, adopted. It was adopted. I was like, oh! <laughs> I, I've used uh, for coming of age. I've used uh, Fun Home by Alison Bechtel, the graphic novel, um, and a, a wacky book called Grasshopper Jungle by Andrew Smith. I've used that too. For all the sex and violence lacking in uh, a separate piece, you will find it in Grasshopper Jungle. But, um, I oh, am oh, now reading me. a book called uh, Shuggy Bane by uh, Douglas Stewart. It won that. He's a Scottish writer. It won the 2020 Booker Prize. I just finished Souvenir Museum by Elizabeth McCracken, who's a writer I like very, very much. It's her collection of uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Booley, I think it's pronounced, who's a Native American writer. It's a YA book. Um, it's got a little bit of like mystery to it and stuff. It was great. And I, uh, Carl Hyacin, is a, he was a, a journalist who wrote for the Miami Herald, I think. And so he's written a lot about Florida. His stuff is wacky and funny and irreverent and i just read one called uh, squeeze me that's his most recent one a lot of it has to do with environmental issues but his stuff is very funny and so i listened to that actually. what about you laura what would you recommend and then like what's mm-hmm. what's your reading life looking like right now i'm so glad you asked if i were to recommend something instead of this it would be the song of achilles by madeline miller because that one is gay it is you both think it will be gay and that you are also fulfilled in the sense that it will be gay so um that's that, that's the only reason well not the only it's a good book uh but yeah i would recommend that instead of this uh currently i'm gonna say i'm reading nothing i'm between books and i feel good because i was like in a reading frenzy for i don't know what reason i just was and so now i'm enjoying watching tv instead but recently <laughs> uh according to goodreads i finished black sun by rebecca Warrenhorse, cricket kingdom by lee bardugo my father's wake by kevin tulis seeing gender by iris gotlia uh, the Golem and the Genie, that's a reread by Helen Wecker. King of Scars by Lee Bardugo. Uh, Gold Diggers by Sanjana Satian. Outrun the Moon by Stacey Lee. The Hidden Palace by Helen Wecker. Unearth are Beautifully Gorgeous. And Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth. Yeah. Did you like any? Um, are there any more notable than the others? Uh, I recommend a lot of them. Like Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo. That is the sequel to Six of Crows. 
I think I mentioned this last time, but they're part of the basis for Shadow and Bone on Netflix. And I did not like the other series, but I loved this one. Um, and the show is pretty good. So yeah, I recommend finishing that. But I had not I had not finished either series until this year. So <laughs> oopsie. Um, the Golem and the Genie and the Hidden Palace. That's a, actually, so those are two are the same series as well. I love Genie stories. Um, and that one also has the Golem. But I was super excited because the sequel came out this month so um i'd recommend that um outrun the moon was really interesting it's actually very similar to dragon wings because it takes place in the same year as the earthquake 1906 um so it's a similar story set when the earthquake and the fires happen but it's like a, a chinese girl who has like worked her way into a boarding school for for white people and um just just being better than everybody else essentially that's the that's the plot of the book. And I would recommend Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth, which took place in Colorado Springs. Yeah. I've seen Coast the movie. Springs. haven't read the book. I've read the book. Haven't seen the movie. So we complete each other. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Why are we oh friends? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell just... me, what do you get out of this arrangement? <laughs> um, uh. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just quickly go over. So I'm currently reading... Um, Broken by Jenny Lawson. I'm listening to that. Jenny Lawson is a blogger and she's written multiple other like memoir nonfiction books. Um, they're all right. I think there's they're supposed to be like very conversational and she makes a lot of jokes and she talks about her mental health and her journey about mental health and how it affects her life. And they're supposed to be like like she'll start talking and then go on these like long tangents that are supposed to be humorous because it shows how her anxieties will like manifest themselves in her everyday life. But I don't know. It's not the, like the most engaging re read. I don't think um, I'm also, I think I was reading these last time, but it's too much soul by Cindy Wilson, which is a adoptee memoir about a Korean adoptee who grew up in a black family it's not that I don't really like that one either, so I probably wouldn't suggest it because I, again, I don't think their writing style is very, um, it's not my not my cup of tea. And then um, I'm reading David Tung can't have a girlfriend unless he gets into an Ivy League college by Ed Lin, and I will probably never finish that one because I had the book and then I lost it. And along with that book that I lost, I also think I had my COVID vaccine vaccination card in there, so I lost that too. But I'm gonna keep it on my. <laughs> until i find it and or finish the book one day somehow some other way that's a nice Anyways. bookmark to use yeah your vaccination card i know i was so card. foolish i should have kept it in my wallet like a normal human um since then i have listened to i think i have not read anything but i listened to uncanny valley by anna wiener Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner, which I would suggest. Um, and Michelle Zahner is also in the band, I think it's Japanese Breakfast. So uh, I would recommend Crying in H Mart. I listened to Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Ediemi. Ooh, I also like yeah. that one. It was like, I, it's been a really long time since I've read High Fantasy. It's also, it was an 18 hour listen. So oh. uh, it very, Whoa. it was super immersive. Um, and. Like, it's been a long time since I've read high fantasy, but I remembered, like, oh, this is why I, I like it. Like, especially listening to it, I was, I could imagine everything in my head, and it was interesting to pay mm. attention to the, like, sentence structures and the, how dialogue works in high fantasy fiction, because it really felt like, like, it was like listening to a movie, like it was just 
it engaged me a lot as a as a listener. Or I read that last no a while ago, and yeah, I thought it was really entertaining. I thought that was really good. Also, it's interesting because I don't know. Uh, I think it was added after like summer twenty twenty, but it they do a little snippet with the author at the very end, and the author talks about how she's using her characters and like these society like the societal structure that she's created in her book to represent police brutality and like black oppression so it is interesting Mm. to see how she draws those parallels um and then lastly i listened to waiting for godot by samuel beckett and i didn't really get it and i was like what i this is why i don't i don't know i think a lot of people in theater think i've uh, it's blasphemy but i think it's so incredibly boring (laughs) um and he's not gonna he's not gonna show up He's not coming. <laughs> I was like, what is it like, like I... after listening to it, I was like, is this supposed to be talking about mental health? Because it's like. No, it's not. It's from Theater of the Absurd. Beck... No, there's no facade. It's just like shitty. No offense. Can't, I can't stand that play. I've seen it um, once or twice and it's just boring. I just find it boring. And that there was apparently a really good um, production of it that had. Bill Irwin, who's a, does a lot of clowning, and his was really good. But I, 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 I no, I don't want to ever see it, ever. It's so boring. We forgot to do ratings. Yeah. So, Kate, if you're gonna rate this book out of ten, what would you give it? A six or seven, maybe a six. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think. Is it because of nostalgia? Or Is that do higher you... than you thought it would be? Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think as just as a more of a six probably than a seven. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty well written. It's uh, it's something you could read in a day, which is an advantage. <laughs> uh, but it's I don't know. Yeah. I I think it's I think it gives I think it gives a picture of a time in this country uh, like that pre-war uh, where these guys have have led these sort of very privileged lives, and all of a sudden they're looking at war maybe going to war I, I would like to if he would have done more with that like what does that actually mean because it's right now it's pretty feels like it might be exciting and a wonderful thing to do but i'm not sure that's the case. very abstract yeah laura yeah um i would give it a two out of ten i started with the audiobook and then then my physical copy came in so then i switched to reading it like with my eyes and it was a lot easier to listen to actually than to read with my eyes because the sentence structures they're just very run on there's not a lot of commas so it was just hard and tedious it was and it was quick like uh, like kate said but it could be even quicker if we cut out a lot of the extraneous stuff about like the shade of the snow and there's just a lot of character stuff missing and it was just boring like it was just so much stuff but maybe that is like my kind of like vendetta against books where it's just about people thinking (laughs) that that's a lot of the book and like yeah i i don't see very much value in in reading it for school purposes so oh no absolutely not in terms of reading it for school i'd say no no but but i want to read the blurb i want to read the blurb from the cover which is oh yeah well one one quote is a masterpiece one says a model of restraint deeply felt and beautifully written but on the front there's this person who saw who said, I think it is the best written, best designed, and most moving novel I have read in many years. Beginning with a tiny incident among ordinary boys, it ends up by being as deep and as big as evil itself. I do not agree. I don't know why it's so deep and big about it. Well, there also aren't really ordinary boys. 
No. <laughs> They're very privileged white boys. And like I think about even um, like at my high school, which was very middle class, we had students there whose, um, at least their grandparents were fairly recent immigrants, um, mm -hmm. if not their parents. These were not... Um, these are not the same kind of ordinary boys who were reading the book. I mean, they're not, they had nothing in common with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna set a record for myself. I'm gonna speak in superlatives and I'm gonna give this book a one. I was like, I was not engaged with it. I do want to say, I think it, like, I agree with the fact that it is a snapshot, like, of a time. So even though I don't relate to it, I don't think that means it has no value. Yeah, but if I'm gonna rate this book, like, I'm probably not gonna suggest this book to anyone. I, Oh, wasn't engaged pacing for me was just like really not like i i don't think i'm gonna think about this book again ever <laughs> in my <laughs> life <laughs> so i don't know so i'm gonna give it a one and uh, when we do our stats at the end of the year it'll be like my lowest <laughs> book and, and that will be the only other time i ever think about the book is when i see it on my stats page but yeah yeah, I between our prep call and this, I've thought about it zero times. Like for today, I was like, "Oh God, I have to think about this book again. I have to Same. talk about it." <laughs> I thought about it a couple of hours ago, and that was um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. We just have a few housekeeping items to do. Sweep, sweep, sweep. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, if you have any desire in contacting us via social medias or email, you can contact us via email at writingnotreading at gmail.com. And I'll spell that for you. R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. Awesome. And if you want to contact us on Twitter, we have a handle uh, which is Red Not Read Pod, which is at sign R E A D N O T R E A D P O D. Kate, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have any upcoming projects? Anything that you want our listenership of two to know? Uh, no. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I would. You may have already plugged this, but if you. You haven't read Disappear Doppelganger Disappear by our yeah. friend Matthew Salasis. I Ooh, would definitely yeah. recommend you know that. I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And then, Laura, talk a little bit about our bookshop and website. Sure. If you like ordering books online uh, and supporting independent bookstores, you can go to bookshop.org to do so. And you can use our affiliate link where we will get some commissions for all the things you order. Yeah. And that's a good place to get Matthew's books. Or any of the books yeah. that we talked about today that we recommended on the podcast? I've uh, ordered a lot from bookshop.org and have been very pleased. Oh. And I think I'd also encourage people to support their local independent bookstores, too. You might not get the book the next day like you would from Amazon, but you've uh, uh, done a lot to support a local business. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, where would we be without books? I know. Dead. We would not have a podcast, I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um... <laughs> And then, yeah, if you want to listen to any of our back catalog, uh, you can visit our website, which will be in the episode notes. And then lastly, uh, as we, we end the month of June, we enter the month of July. Um, what book are we reading next, Laura? We're reading Hatchet uh, oh. by Ann Pratchett. Just kidding. It's Hatchet by <laughs> Gary Paulson. <laughs> yeah, that's um, Ann Pratchett. <laughs> listen, it's Father's Day. I had to make my dad joke. It's a... Definitely another coming of age book too. I've used that one in class as well. I'm excited. Oh. Yeah. I Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm excited. I do have things to say about this book. Um, so thanks for joining us, Kate. Thanks for being a my pleasure a guest on our podcast. You've had a mm-hmm. thank you big influence on all of us. So it's just nice to oh yeah to bring you on, talk to you. Yeah, it was great. Thanks. <laughs> I'm happy to influence you anytime. Oh wow! Excellent. <laughs> thank goodness. Could you influence my <laughs> next choices in life? <laughs> Sorry, I only only books is all I can do. So. Oh man. Okay. Dang. Well, happy solstice too. Enjoy this long yeah. ass day. It'll never end. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.